Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Keep the Receipts with Zungi and Altamash. There's been a few changes in the standings, and a lot has changed as of late um, when it comes to the playoffs. So, Altamash, I'm going to let you kick this one off, and yeah, let's go. Yeah, Zangi, I hear a lot of enthusiasm in your voice. I wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it looks like uh, just yesterday the Suns annihilated the Utah Jazz, the number one seed for almost, what, 80% of the entire season. They've been the best team, and the Suns annihilated them, and the Suns are, well, they're technically still the second seed, but they do have a tiebreaker now over Utah. So in the case, uh, Utah's played one more game than them, so... That's why Utah is technically first in the standings right now. Right. But if the season ended and they both had the same record, uh, the Suns would have the overall number one seed, which is crazy for me. And um, when the season started, uh, obviously I thought the Suns were going to be good because Chris Paul is great. But right. I didn't expect this. And I'm oh. even astonished, even though uh, probably a well-known hater of the Suns, this Mostly because you like them, not because of <laughs> any other reason. Yeah. Um, I, I don't but, think any Suns fans even expected this, to be honest with you. Yeah, right. 45 and 18. Uh, they're one game behind, but they have the same amount of losses as Utah, who's 46 and 18. So, again, if they end up with the same record, the Suns are going to be the number one seed throughout the playoffs. And uh, well, it's, I mean, it looked really easy against Utah, although no Donovan Mitchell, uh, no Mike Conley. Yeah, it looked almost... I mean, I understand those guys are super valuable to Utah, but, man, the Suns made it look too easy. They were up by 16 after the first quarter. They were up by 24 at the end of the third. So the game was, like, over after the first quarter, practically. I don't want to put too much into that win just because, you know, obviously those guys aren't available. And Donovan Mitchell, every time he plays the Phoenix Suns, (laughs) he's a freaking monster. Last time we met up, I think he dropped 50, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So, yeah, Donovan Mitchell is a beast when he comes to play, playing against the Phoenix Suns, so I'm not going to count too much into that win, but I do want to give the credit where credit is due, where, you know, Suns tend to play to their level all the time, and good thing is that they said, hey, we're not going to play to their level, we're going to we're gonna take it up a notch and take care of our business where we need to take care of our business, because a lot of times throughout this whole whole season, I feel like I've mentioned this multiple times throughout our, you know, episodes and whatnot, that, you know, Suns tend to play up to their level of whatever, you know, team that they're playing. If it's a bad team, they're going to play bad. If it's a good team, they're going to take their level to the next level. But they took care of business against Utah like they should have. I'm not going to put too much into that win or even the Clippers win, uh, which there was no Kawhi Leonard in that in that game but you know they are they took care of business that's all that matters right there um the the Knicks win was was pretty good um because everybody was there and also not only that they were on nine game winning streak in Madison Square that's a great win but I'm gonna let you go ahead and continue yeah I mean so the Suns are playing Oklahoma City tonight uh if they win tonight which they should um Considering Oklahoma City lost by 57 points yesterday to Indiana. I think at one point the lead was up to 67, which is like the highest it's been in like the last 25 years. Wow. In Oklahoma City. Like, it was horrible. And like, Sabonis had a triple-double at halftime. Like, it was embarrassing for Oklahoma City. So the Suns had to take care of their business. They'll be the number one seed going into, you know, May the 2nd today. So... Mid May, like, like if I told you in October, 
uh, I guess the season started, you know, a little bit later. But I was like, if I told you in October, November, yeah, the Suns will have the number one seed going into May, you would take that any day, any day of the week, you Definitely. know, to sign me up right now, you know. Yep. And um, you know, the Suns have the best record uh, against over five hundred teams, which I think is the main thing that I wanted to kind of get at. You know, aside from you know beating Utah, you know, while they're a little, you know, a little injured. Uh, also, same thing with the Clippers. Kawhi's been out as well, but the fact that they're twenty-three and nine against teams that are over five hundred shows that professionalism that Chris Paul has brought to the team. Like you said, you know, younger teams they kind of have that lull where they play good against good teams and they play bad down to their competition against bad teams, and it's kind of showing. Hey, when Chris Paul's Chris Paul's conducting the orchestra and he's just great at it, and you know he's letting everybody else play their star role, which is. Devin Booker being the scorer, you know, DeAndre being the guy in the paint, kind of being the defensive anchor. You know, Mikel Bridges is doing his thing as well. And he had 18 against Utah. So they're looking really, really strong. I mean, ideally, you know, you would want the number one seed. You could avoid, right now the Lakers are the sixth seed. So technically you could avoid the Lakers for two rounds if you got the number one seed. Now, if you're the second seed, you face them in the second round, assuming they would face the Nuggets and beat the Nuggets, right? And... I think getting the number one seed would be really, really helpful for the Suns. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what you think a successful season for the Suns would be. Now we're down to like five games left in the season, and it's just playoffs almost. And what do you think uh, would be a disappointment if the Suns, you know, didn't do so well in the playoffs? All right. So a successful season to me would be a Western Conference trip to the Western Conference. Simple as that. Now, the fan in me wants to say we can go to the championship, especially the way this season has panned out, you know, because, I mean, if you look at a lot of things, dudes are injured. They haven't been playing well. There's a lot of speculation around the Lakers. Um, uh, the Clippers are probably going to be the toughest out, to be honest, out of all of them. Yeah. And the Jazz, and Jazz been healthy. You know, they've been playing really well, too. Just like the Suns, you know, the Jazz aren't supposed to be where the Jazz are today. Correct. So, um, so same, so those te- teams are the probably the scariest one. Um, with, with the Nuggets being the way the Nuggets are playing, they're spectacular. But I feel like when it comes down to it, they're going to need Jamal Murray, and I, he's not going to be available to them. So... That's going to hurt the Nuggets a lot. So the two scariest team to me will be the Jazz and the Clippers in this scenario. And Clippers are obviously scary because of that playoff experience. But when it comes to a disappointment, it will be a first-round exit, right? And that can happen, but I don't see it happening against the Suns. They've been playing spectacularly well. And those bottom-seeded teams, we should handily take care of them, uh, especially with the firepower that we have. It's going to be tough because anything in the Western Conference is always tough. 1-8, whatever it is, it's always tough, right? But I think a successful season will be a Western Conference trip. That's where I would ideally want us to be at the very least. That's successful. Second round exit, even like I, I'm not, you know, if we can get the first round, we should be able to get the second round. And, and yeah, it's going to get tougher and tougher. But a Western Conference trip is where they're successful. This is a first-seeded team. And we don't expect a first-seeded team to be out in, you know, the first round or the second round. So it's automatically a disappointment. And if the Phoenix Suns are a first-seed, which I hope they are, uh, you know, it's going to be spectacular. And they should be – they should, should like, for example, like you said, we can avoid the Lakers. I mean, that's the team that you mainly want to avoid. And then at the same time, you know, maybe – 
you know, even the Clippers, hopefully we can avoid them um, when it comes to, you know, an early round or second round with them. Yeah, because right now the Clippers are the... Oh, actually, the Clippers fell down to four because Denver four, yeah. beat them. Uh, yeah. So Denver moved up to three. So but that, and ideally, like you'd face the Clippers in the second round, right? But if the Clippers yeah. somehow get back to second or third, yeah. and the Suns end up with the first, then you avoid both teams until the conference finals. You right. would face either the Lakers or the Clippers, assuming they both advance, right? Yeah. And you would never bet against LeBron beating Denver. Uh, you would doesn't matter who LeBron has on his team. Like you never count that man out. And although Anthony Davis really hasn't been playing well, even he's come back, he hasn't looked really good in the entire season. He hasn't been great, and. Now that now the thing is, you get to the second round, and if you can avoid the Clippers and Lakers, then I think anything less than a conference finals berth would be a disappointment. Now, ideally, if they get to the if they get to the first round, I mean, they get to the first round, right? Which we expect them to do. They get to the second round, they face either the Lakers or Clippers. If they lose, and it's a competitive series, and you know they're not losing four zero, four one, something where you know it's a six or seven game series, it's tough. Like I think that's you would take that. That'd be like the bar right anything above that you get you know you somehow win this series or you know you go to a seventh game and it comes down to the wire like even that to me is a successful season for the Suns. and man so much to say about chris paul where the guy went from 10 years of Suns having made the playoffs in 10 11 years to they have the number one seed with five games remaining it's in the season actually right before the playoff start which is the 22nd of may yeah. So the last time the Phoenix Suns were in a playoff game was May 29th. So a week prior to 11 years <laughs> of misery yeah. has come to an end. And boy, did it come to an end. And yes, to Chris Paul's, you know, just spectacular. Like a master at his craft. Like literally, this is what he does. This is his, you know, this is what Chris Paul does. And I've been telling you, you know, I always give a shout out to him as an MVP. If, he's a, if the Phoenix Suns are first seed... Are we not considering this man to be somewhat of an MVP? Like, he should get some votes. Yeah. I, I don't see why not. I've said Jokic is my main pick, and he's going to remain that way. But, man, man, Chris Paul should be considered a lot more than some of the, you know, some of the guys that probably will get more votes than him. And he should have been, I guess it's the media thing and, you know, whatever it is. You know, Chris Paul is not going to be the MVP more than likely he's just not going to get it because of stats and etc but man a team that hasn't made the playoffs in almost 11 years a week less than 11 years yeah and then he a first seeded team first seeded nobody thought it not not the Phoenix Suns fans not me not <laughs> anybody but man like to be a first seed team to turn the franchise around like that in that manner and it's just not Chris Paul. Obviously, it's other, you know, other players growing around him as well, who are young players. But man, his impact on the team is felt to a great magnitude. Yeah, and like you know, Chris Paul, he's like a chef, right? He, yeah, you could have all the good ingredients, but if the chef can't put it together, it doesn't matter how good it. The food's not going to taste good, and that's what Chris Paul is. The Suns has always, you know, the Suns in the last few years have had the talent. Cam Johnson, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, DeAndre, and they've all, you know, sort of grown up. But Chris Paul is putting that all together, right? He's like the ultimate glue, right? That's putting all this together, is making it work. And Devin Booker is finally, you know, he's kind of coming around to scoring a lot more points, you know, kind of getting back to what he was doing pre-Chris Paul. And, you know, I felt like the first few months it was, 
it's my turn, your turn. We're trying to figure it out. And, you know, of course, there's going to be an adjustment period, especially with a short and off season. You know, there's so much more to it than, you know, a regular season where you have like, you know, months to practice and prepare and stuff. And with all the COVID protocols, you can't even go into the gym and work out and, you know, all that. So that was kind of difficult as well. And for Chris Paul to have this team as a number one seed, uh, yeah, he should definitely get MVP consideration. I just don't think the stats are going to be able to back him up for him to win. But, you know, if we're talking about strictly most valuable, and I guess it just comes down to how you define that. And, right. you know, to me, valuable is what Chris Paul is doing, where he's taking a team that <laughs> didn't make the playoffs last year, were really close, but didn't make it. And right. now they're going to have the best, right now they have the best record in the NBA. And that value you can't quantify with stats, especially Chris Paul's whole career, you couldn't quantify with stats. Because if you did it strictly on stats, he just wouldn't be that good of a player. But any team that he's been on that he's left have become significantly worse. Then he goes to another team. That team usually has a much better record the first year that he comes. And, you know, every year that he's been on any team, he's had a great record. And they've always done better than the year before. A and very LeBron-esque. Yeah, effect. very LeBron-esque. Just not with the crazy stats. He does it another way, right? He's yeah. more of the the true point guard in the yeah. sense, right? LeBron's, yeah. you know, he does everything. Point God. Yeah, <laughs> point God. Um, but yeah, I think Chris Paul might be like a top five MVP this year, probably in terms of voting. I don't think he's going to get maybe not even third because uh, I know they're going to have the top three. I don't know if they're doing it anymore where they did like the top three at the NBA award ceremony where they have the top three finalists. But I think he might be like top five this year and deservedly so. Yep. I honestly thought obviously he's going to make the Suns better. I did not see this coming. And uh, that's just a testament to Chris Paul and the Hall of Fame, that first battle Hall of Famer that he is. Yeah, and one thing I do want to add about Chris Paul, I know for the teams that he's not played for, he's very unlikable still. Yes. And I've seen that, right? And he was unlikable when he didn't play for the Suns either or the Rockets. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and to all those fans that, you know, since you have never had Chris Paul on your team, to be honest with you, let, let's just end this right here because that man, when he's on your team, you like him more than any other player on your team yeah, you because agree. of his antics on the courts, because of what he does on the court. But when he's not on your team, he's the most hateable. I understand. <laughs> but, man, you got to understand that I didn't like Chris Paul when he, when he played for other teams. Didn't. Didn't like his antics. Didn't like what he did, right? And yes, he was he was great at what he did though at the end of the day. I, I respected him for his basketball, but the antics, you know, the the the, the constant chit chatting with the refs, the constant nagging, and then everything that he does, it's not likable, but when it's on your team and he gets you that respect from the refs, he gets you, you know, just like thought about in some sort manner. It's, it's good. It's good for your team, and it's amazing for the Suns. And you can see a complete turnaround on a franchise that hasn't had a playoff success or any playoff run for the past 11 years. And he's done that for a franchise. To hate him is probably dumb, I think, at this point. I know I've had the luxury of having a Chris Paul on our team. But, man, like we need to end that because that man is amazing at what he does. And he's just, again... A master of his craft. Yeah, and I think the last thing I want to add about the Suns is that he adds credibility to the Suns, right? If the Suns don't have Chris Paul and they have another point guard in that position, let's just say like a Ricky Rubio that they did last year, um, it's not the same, 
right? The Suns could be making the playoffs. Of course, they would not be the number one seed with Ricky Rubio. But even if they let's just say they're a four seed or a five seed with Ricky Rubio, it's not the same because Chris Paul is just a different animal. Yeah. Um, and this isn't a shot at Ricky Rubio, but this is the kind of point that I'm just trying to make. If you replace him with an average point guard, it's not the same. And yes, absolutely. The point about hating Chris Paul before and after he joined your team. Before, I, like you know this for a fact, I despised Chris Paul. I thought he was overrated. He got too much love for not doing much of anything in the playoffs. And you feel stupid. After yeah, this. and then he comes to the Rockets, and I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's the best ever. If he was healthy, the Rockets would have won the championship. So yeah. <laughs> complete 180 turnaround yeah. from before and after. And now after he left, obviously went to Oklahoma City. He got them to the playoffs when they had no chance of making the playoffs or nobody expecting them to. He got them to a game seven against the Rockets. Nobody expected that. And now he's got the Sun as number one seed. Nobody definitely expected that. And, you know, I respect him a lot more since he left the Rockets uh, just because I know what kind of player he is and just the kind of impact he has. And you kind of seeing it now when he's on your team, uh, which you obviously didn't see before when he was uh, he was on the Rockets or Oklahoma City or the Clippers. You you just saw him as an you know, adversary. And you have a different view of him once he leaves or, like, you know, once he's on your team. Okay, Zengi, I guess we're going to transition from uh, the Suns, a super team, I guess, uh, if you want to call them that, um, to super <laughs> performances uh, around the league in the last couple of weeks. Uh, first one that I want to talk about very recently, uh, Jason Tatum had a 60-point game and a 32-point comeback against the San Antonio Spurs. Wow. 32. 32. 3-2. That's, like, crazy. I think anything over 20 is nuts so when it's anything over 30 you're like the game's usually over you know yeah. um, third it's the third largest comeback in nba in the past 25 years including the playoffs uh just the significance of it wow and he tied larry bird's record uh, uh franchise record for most points scored in a game mm. which to me was a little surprising i mean when I, when I heard that stat i was like the celtics have only had one person score 60 points like you know they've had the Lakers and the Celtics are the NBA for majority of the NBA's history. Right. And the fact that they've only had one guy score 60, you know, uh, which is their highest, which is kind of crazy to me because uh, I, I would think it would be somebody would have got 70 or 75, right? Mm. And, but I, it's, it's a, I think it's Booker a big, had 70 in the, <laughs> in, in their arena. Yeah, in, in the garden, right? Yeah. yeah. But I just found it very odd. That was kind of a peculiar stat to me because I just thought like all the Hall of Famers the Celtics have had in, throughout their history, more than probably any other team aside from the Lakers, uh, the fact that that was the highest, you know, tying the franchise record was kind of surprising to me. He scored 31 in the fourth quarter and overtime combined. So that means he didn't have, he had 24 at halftime. He only had five points in the third quarter. He took over down the stretch of the game and then into overtime and... You know, I think for for the fact that the Celtics have kind of had an underwhelming season, Jason yeah. Tatum has been the superior highlight the last through two three weeks where he had a, he's had a fifty point game, he had a forty point game, and you know I think that I, we like we said we want to give a shout out to people that don't ever get it, and you know this is kind of one of the things I want to talk about with Jason Tatum. Uh, Zengi, what do you think right now? They're currently the sixth seed. They're sitting. Uh, if the season ended today, they'd be playing Milwaukee. I don't even think that they. Get out of the first round, uh, playing Giannis and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton in the first round. Now, if they move up, they could be in the fourth seed. They play either the Knicks or the uh, – they have the same amount of losses as the Atlanta Hawks. Both have 30 losses. So they could right. move up to the 
fifth seed and they can end up facing New York Knicks, which is definitely a superior matchup for them in terms of trying to get out of the first round. Yeah. Uh, where do you see the Celtics going from here? Yeah, so first off, Jason Tatum. Shout out Jason Tatum. Here's a funny thing. Uh, I was talking about Jason Tatum not too long ago, and I, I felt like he heard me, man. The, the, the minute I said I was like, man, I don't know. I don't like the way he plays sometimes because he shoots a lot of shots. And, and then the next night, I believe, this man draws 50. <laughs> then he had a 40-point game. Then he had a near 40-point game. Now he has a 60-point game. This man heard the call, man. <laughs> like, I swear. Like, uh, But, I mean, you know, shout out to him. He's trying to do everything for his team um, to, you know, to be in a better position. And, obviously, like, playing the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round, that's going to be a tough matchup, especially because the Celtics haven't been playing to their standards. And they, they're, they've they fallen off Uh They've had injuries, and you know they they miss guys here and there. So there's been a lot of that, and uh, the continuity throughout the whole season hasn't been there for the Boston Celtics. Um, with that being said, yeah, they're great. The, the their best matchup would be two faced Knicks, right? Because I mean, the Knicks don't have a lot of guys with that much playoff experience. They probably have a few here and there, but. Uh, that's going to be their best matchup, and maybe you know experience prevails in this scenario. And even though like the Hawks have fallen off a little bit due to that injury, uh, the Austin Celtics can come up and you know take that next spot, and then obviously they'll be in a favorable matchup when it comes to the New York Knicks. So the Boston Celtics do have a, an opportunity to potentially win that first round, uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see where this goes and where the Eastern Conference playoffs uh, end up. Yeah, I, I think. Look, if they face Milwaukee. I'm sorry, they're going home. Uh, they're not. Right. Gonna, they're not. They're not beating the Bucks. Uh, also, I wanted to kind of give a. Like, I want to talk about Kemba Walker. He's been really disappointing, and I think you know when Kyrie left, everybody thought Kemba coming here would you know solidify them even better because their chemistry would be better because Kyrie was causing problems in the locker room and X, Y, and Z, and right. Kemba really hasn't been that guy, and you know sounds. Sucky to say that because he was so great in college and he won in college. And then he came to a losing franchise like the Hornets. He didn't really lead them anywhere. Then he left, you know, the, the Hornets and went to a, the, one of the best franchises ever. And he really hasn't lived up to the expectations that I thought maybe the Celtics fans definitely had of him. And what I me I expected of him as well in terms of like he would be the second guy to Jason Tatum, right? And it's really not hasn't been that, and it's always been Jalen Brown as that second guy. And right. had you know Kemba lived up to those expectations, I thought you know that's a solid trio: Kemba, Tatum, Brown, Brown right? right? That's a very solid. I mean, Kemba's a little bit older now, but still solid young core in that team. But you know, Kemba really hasn't done that, and I just wanted to kind of. I just felt like I'm, I should mention that. It feels like Jason Tatum is kind of out there on his own. Uh, Jalen Brown has had, you know, he started off the season very well. Right. But he's kind of been hit or miss the last couple of months. And I think that the Celtics overall have just been, you know, uh, just up and down and really just more down than up this year. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, most of them are such ball-dominant players. They're all score first. They don't have a pass mentality. So, like when it comes to Kemba, he's been in Charlotte. He made the playoffs maybe once or twice. Yeah. And you know, he's been the main scorer for that for that squad for the longest. Yeah. This is all he knows. And then you got Jason Tatum. He's pretty much bought up 
you know, in the Boston Celtics. And then he's like, hey, we're giving you the keys to this franchise, so to speak, and letting you take over, do your thing, you know. So he's ball dominant. Jalen Brown has been kind of like that sidekick, that Batman Robin thing, but he's always been a scorer as well. So you can have two of those. I believe on a team, but when you have that third one, it, it doesn't mash well. And that's, I think that's where Kemba problem is arising is that yeah. he has two guys that can drop, give you 20 plus a game, heck 25 plus a game for all we know, and Jalen Brown and Tatum. And, and then Kemba is trying to do that too, but Kemba has to, I guess, be that guy where he needs to be more of a facilitator for this team mm-hmm. rather than be that scorer for the team. Um, but obviously, but this has all been Kemba. Like he's always been, he was a scorer in college, he was scoring NBA, and now he, he thinks he's this the same way. There's an adjustment period, I think. And I, yeah, it's, it hasn't been too long, but obviously I, he hasn't adjusted well and maybe he needs more time to develop. And, you know, the Boston Celtics could be really scary if they can figure that that whole, you know, scenario out. And Brad Stevens is known for figuring these type of things out, especially when he took that young Boston team a couple years ago to the Eastern Conference and they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that's when Tatum and Brown were fairly young and they didn't even have Kyrie at the time. Yeah. So... And so, with that being said, like you know, there's 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 more to figure out with the team. That's why they are where they are at the sixth spot. Like I didn't expect them to be there this year. I expect them to be better because of Kemba, because of the growth of Jason or Jalen Brown, and you know Marcus Smart and all those guys. Um, but you know that's uh, this is the reality though. You know, and this is where we are at this moment. Yeah, and the last thing I wanted to add was I think the thing about Kemba adjusting is. The more the time goes by, the more it becomes Jason Tatum's team, the more Kemba is kind of going to be become the second guy, right? Or the third guy, especially because Jalen Brown is taking a leap that Kemba short of should have been in that role. And right. I think the more the time goes by, it's going to be Jason Tatum's team and Kemba is going to have to adjust. And if Kemba doesn't adjust or actually, you know, learn to kind of play off of Jason Tatum, you're, just, you're paying all this money to a guy who's not really – doing what you're asking him to do when you're paying a guy 25 30 million dollars a year you want that guy to be either the best player on your team or the second best player on your team and right now Kemba is neither and he's not but I think also Jason Tatum needs to be a little bit more you know playmaking his playmaking isn't all that great like you know that's where he takes he he, he scored first but I think his playmaking needs to take another step and he needs to figure that out and I think that can help the Boston Celtics in the long run too yeah, I mean, so this year is like Jason Tatum is doing 26, 7, and 4. Uh, he's shooting 45 from the field, 40, almost about 40% from the three-point line. He's shooting 84% from the, the free throw line. So he, his numbers have been solid. Like you said, he definitely needs to become more of a playmaker. He's relatively like a scorer. And taking that next step, because that's the main thing with a lot of the scorers when they first come into the game. They just know how to get their own. And then the great ones learn how to get everybody else involved and make themselves even better. And I think Jason Tatum still needs to grasp that, and he doesn't have that yet. But I did want to bring out, you know, I want to keep the receipt on this one. I told you if the Atlanta Hawks made the playoffs, they'd probably win a first-round series. And right now, they're in position to play the New York Knicks, and I would I would like their chances against the Knicks in a first-round series. So I did want to bring that up. Uh, we'll talk about that another day, especially when the playoffs get here, and we'll kind of see where all the seedings actually end up. Uh, because if Atlanta falls down to six and they're Milwaukee, it's over. They're not getting out of the they're not getting yeah. out of the first round. But if they stay where they are, they have a chance to actually uh 
have a chance against uh, the New York Knicks the New to York actually Knicks. win the series. Interesting. From one masterful performance to another from another young guy. I did want to talk about Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, of the Rockets. He's been probably the one of the many small bright spots that the Rockets have had this year. Uh, along with Jay Sean Tate and Christian Wood when he was when he's been playing. Uh, he had a 50.11 assist game against the Milwaukee Bucks uh, just this week. So there's been two crazy games. Uh, he's the fourth youngest to drop 50 points in an NBA game. He's only 20 years old, uh, which is crazy to think about that the Rockets got him for absolutely nothing, a second-round pick, which means absolutely nothing. Um, he was 16 of 26 from the field. He shot 9 of 15 from the three-point line. Uh, like I said, fourth youngest to score 50. He's also the youngest to get a 50-point double-double. Uh, LeBron did it twice when he not not a double double but average uh, score fifty. Uh, Brandon Jennings is the other guy, and uh, Devin Booker is the four uh, the uh, the fourth person on this list. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, this was oh, the funny thing about all this was that Kevin Porter said this was his first fifty point game since like the fourth grade or something. So that was kind of funny to hear afterwards. Like he didn't do it in high school or middle I guess middle school even. <laughs> um, but you know, I just. Like I said, the season has been a complete loss for the Rockets. Uh, it will be a, a win if the Rockets end up getting the number one pick or, you know, a top two, three pick because if they, I think it's after four. It's top four protected. Otherwise, Oklahoma City gets the pick during that Westbrook trade. That was one of the worst trades that the Rockets have ever made. They got rid of Chris Paul and attached draft picks to get rid of him. Uh, we don't know whose decision that was, but it's probably a Fertitta decision. We'll leave that alone for the time being, but I just wanted to give a shout-out to him because we talked about at 20 years old, James Harden was not this good. James Harden was on OKC as a a sixth man. He was just really, you know, learning the ropes. And Kevin Porter at uh, at 20 years old is dropping 50 and 11, which any, any superstar at any given point of his career dropping that kind of stats is crazy. For him to do it at such a young age is even more spectacular and you know christian wood had a great game that game as well uh with the rockets were down by 17 in that game to milwaukee came back and ended up winning the game 143 to 136 and christian wood had a 31 and 9 so christian wood had a great game as well so again i wanted to get your thoughts on kevin porter where do you think you know his career could be in the next i don't know three to five years Okay, so another guy you put on that list was Devin Booker. And hopefully your tenure uh, isn't, you know, 10-year, 11 years long. But, man, uh, Kevin Porter's uh, mastery of his 50-point game was amazing to see. I don't want to compare him to James Harden because we really don't know what James Harden was when he came out of college and, you know, what he was doing. So because he was obviously given a backup role and, you know, being a six-man and whatnot. With that being said... We don't know what James Harden could have done had he been in a similar spot. With that being said, I saw a lot of similarities in Kevin Porter Jr.'s play as well as James Harden. Just watching that 50-point game uh, was, you know, Kevin Porter was, it just looked like it was James Harden out there. um, Just with, like, more hair or something, you know, (laughs) and uh, less beard. So, with that being said, like, Kevin Porter was amazing. He went 9 for 15 from 3, um, and it wasn't an easy task. I know I don't think they had Giannis out there, did they? No, they did not. No they Giannis. did not. So, and, I mean, it's it, Milwaukee's defense is not bad defense. For a 20-year-old to drop 50 points on them, it's kind of crazy to think about. And, you know, 
like you mentioned with the Devin Booker, you know, he's a young guy with 20, you know, he drops 20 and, you know, he becomes this prolific scorer um, in the league. And that's that's what could potentially be with Kevin Porter Jr. Now, one thing I do like about Kevin Porter's game, he has the playmaking ability. Yeah. He seems like he handles the ball a lot for the Rockets. Yeah. And, you know, so that's that's one other, I guess, part of his game that's already at an elite level. And, you know, just going forward, it's probably something bright and good to think about for the Rockets. And obviously looks like there's a bright future there for Kevin Porter and the Christian Woods, who are fairly young guys. Uh, Christian Woods be on a little bit older side, but at the same time, it's still a fairly young team. And Kevin Porter could, you know, take the helm. And let's see how he develops, you know, and becomes better on a year-to-year basis. You know, the Rockets could be really good, uh, for all we know. It's just... You know, you got to see those next steps. And and like you mentioned, if y'all get lucky and get that first pick, you know, that's going to be, you know, that could potentially put you guys in the playoffs back next year. Um, you know, probably there's no stars coming next year. Like, you yeah. know, there, there's no superstars coming to the Rockets. That's like, oh, yeah, I won't go to the Rockets, you know. So this is what you have right now. Is it a playoff team right now? Obviously, it's not a playoff team because they can't keep it consistently. They can't keep this up consistently. John Wall is there right now. We don't know what that situation is like at the moment. But if this young court keeps together and in the next few years, you're going to see you're going to see big jumps. And especially guys like Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate. That's another one. Yeah. I, I really like his game. He just gets in there into the paint, man. You always be scoring. Yeah. And he, he's super nice. And um but you know, once once the Rockets, you know, hopefully the development's fine and there's no other, you know, locker room issue with Kevin Porter and and then he gets traded for a second rounder, which I, I'm sure the Cleveland Cavaliers are beating their heads over that at the moment. But Kevin Porter, he's looking good, and I really like his game. Yeah, and, like, the last point I want to add about him was, like, he was giving Drew Holiday buckets. Like, it wasn't, like, some average Joe on the team, right? It wasn't some average defender or the team was a bad team. Drew Holiday is a good defender. Might be close to great defender, and he was giving Drew Holiday buckets. And like you said, his playmaking ability is at an elite level. He's already got that sense of playmaking you know that's one thing that like you said jason tatum still needs to work on that right even he's a scorer and he doesn't have that ability yet not saying he can't get it but that's kind of the big thing right some people just have it and it's natural and that's something that ken porter jr has and like he always says he mentions james harden like a big brother to him and he's kind of modeling his game after james harden like he's you know lefty he can hit the step back he can get to the rim he's got good handles very similar to what James Harden is doing. Yeah, I saw I saw that clip of him. I think he was in the corner. Yeah, and step. he did a little step, step side step, and yeah. he hit the he hit the three. I believe. Yeah, that was, that was it was like it was identical, yeah. literally. Yeah, and and you know James Harden gave him a shout out on Instagram too. He said lefty's different, and you know I think that's kind of one of the things is he's work, he's working out with James Harden. He's kind of learning, you know the tricks and trade of the game. And James Harden even before he came, he talked about Kevin Porter Jr. So. I think that's going to be the the main thing is, like you said, the core four, right? It's Wood, it's Kevin Porter Jr., you got Jay Sean Tate, and also uh, Kevin Martin Jr., uh, Kenyon Martin Jr., I'm sorry, uh, KJ Martin. And he's also a young guy. He's got all these crazy blocks. Uh, He's blocked Gobert and Porzingis. And I think the future is bright. Like you said, they need to start taking the next steps. And 
you know, Steven Silas needs to work on getting the team to, you know, be more consistent. And that's the, the toughest part with a young team is being consistent. You end up having these laws like, you know, we had the 17-game losing streak and then we had a five-game losing streak and, you know, they play, they play good for a half or they play good for a couple quarters and then they, you know, fall off. Just last game against the Warriors, it was a competitive game and then the Warriors had a 23-0 run in the third quarter. So, yes, I mean, the Warriors have Steph Curry, but, you know, that's something that you got to work on. You got to eliminate those kind of runs from the game. Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, getting, you're going to keep losing by a lot of points. And I think that's going to be the main thing that they need to work on going forward. Um, but I think the future is bright if they end up getting the first pick and you get Kate Cunningham. You add that to the roster, you add that to the team, and now you got a solid core of at least five guys that you have for at least three to four or five years if you can keep them. And that's kind of the recipe to make a good team. That's kind of how OKC, the Warriors were built. You know, they draft well. You end up getting the right guys. They work together. They grow up together. They learn to play well together. You end up getting to the finals. Obviously, for the Warriors, they won, multiple, they won a title without Kevin Durant with that core that they started with. And, and hopefully, honestly, like I think the Rockets, hopefully they avoid any type of like nuances that come along with just losing like coaches getting fired and you know extracurricular stuff in the locker room things of that nature really like enhances that particular process from three to five years to ten years like that's happened with the Suns. Literally, yeah. that that was the reason because there was locker room issues with the Morris twins. There was those coaches getting fired two games in, three games into the season, and you have another coach. And then you know, like you know, just locker room trouble with Eric Bledsoe, etc. Like all types of stuff. That stuff, if they can avoid that extra stuff that comes with losing, and you know, just the players like saying, "Hey, this is a process, and it takes time to develop." then you yeah. know you're going to see an improvement within those few years but if if it comes to be about you know you're taking these losses and then your your players are also acting up and you're you know and then coaches are getting fired and then there's a whole new philosophy every year yeah. and you know it it doesn't bold well for the team it does it's not good for the players and and then that's when those bad habits are built with these players it's not per se for in the first you know first few young part of their young career first few years they don't build those habits but when it extends long with four five six years then they then these players have these bad habits that they need to get rid of somehow and that's what happened with the Suns. i think that's what prolonged our tenure and i hope that doesn't happen with the rockets because we always want to see competitive teams you know in, in the league and obviously like i always want the rockets to lose against the Suns. <laughs> so um, you know, but I want to beat a good team. Yeah, and the last point I want to add was I, I, I don't think the Rockets should get rid of Steven Silas. Yeah, like this first season has been horrible, um, but there's been so many factors that led to that. You know, he started off thinking that he's going to have Harden and Westbrook, and now he has Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood. So, like, what he started with and what he has now is completely different, you know, when he signed up for the job. But, like you said, I feel like we should give him a chance. I think he needs at least another year at least maybe two years, right, to kind of right the ship. And if he doesn't right the ship, then, yeah, you have to get rid of him and bring somebody else who can right the ship. And uh, last point uh, is that, you know, Cameron Porter Jr. and Christian Wood, after the 50-point game, they kind of talked about, we're going to turn this around, we're going to make this right. And that's the kind of mentality that, you know, you want to hear from the young players. 
And, you know, I think losing obviously does play a big factor in that. Like if you consistently keep losing, it gets rid of your motivation. It gets rid of your, you know, desire to be better. But the great ones figure it out. And, you know, we're hoping that that's going to be the case with Christian Wood and um, also with Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, I got nothing else to add. So on that note, we out.